Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your SmackDown and AEW Rampage post-show for December 17th, 2021. I'm JD from New York, and this is the OTS venue. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your Friday nights, wherever you may be, guys. I appreciate you guys very, very much for joining me. On your Friday nights, uh, we had a uh, a little bit of a rough week as far as me not feeling well. I didn't really get a lot accomplished this week. Uh, I've been under the weather for the last three days. I finally feel like this evening I am turning the corner. I'm rounding the corner and feeling better. So hopefully by the end of the weekend... Come Monday Night Raw, I'll be sick all over again. Because Monday Night Raw is fucking putrid. But all joking aside, hopefully by Monday Night Raw, I should feel a lot better. And we'll get back to the uh, regularly scheduled things that we do on this program. Uh, I haven't uh, gone over the top with the intro. I haven't done the Are We Live? Simply because that, uh, you know, I'm sick, number one. And number two, my voice. I don't want to blow out my voice and, you know... The sore throat and everything that comes along with being sick and having the flu. I don't want to strain my voice any further. So uh, we're going to take it easy. So I'm going to need you guys to do me one big favor, man. I need everybody in the chat. I need everybody in the venue. Tell me if I'm getting too loud or if I'm yelling or I'm stressing myself out for no reason. I need you guys to give me uh, a sign. Use the hashtag. Uh, I don't know. Let's come up with a hashtag. Hashtag stop yelling. Or something like that. If I get too loud, I don't want to yell. I want to take it easy. 
I'm going to finish this show, talk about what was wrong with tonight's show, have a cup of Theraflu, go to sleep, get ready for tomorrow's live stream, OTS 401, and we'll be good to go. That's all I want to do, okay? So I'm glad you guys are joining me tonight. We got a lot to go over. SmackDown, you know, I watched SmackDown tonight, and it's the same old, same old. You know, there's nothing new, nothing exciting. Typical WWE bullshit creative that is just absolutely horrendous. The only thing and the one thing that stands out on the show is Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And if you look at the WWE roster on the SmackDown side of things, we are in for a very, very long year until we get to another draft or another shakeup. This show is absolutely terrible. It really is. In, in many ways, this show may be worse than Monday Night Raw. It may be worse than Monday Night Raw. The creative is still the same. They both are fucking terrible. But this show may be worse than Monday Night Raw. Outside of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, there is absolutely nothing on this show to fully invest yourself in. And it's sad. And that brings me to the Roman and Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman situation at the end of the show. Roman Reigns fired the wise man, Paul Heyman, tonight. And I was actually surprised that they went with this tonight and did not do a big major turn reveal at day one. Roman Reigns fired Paul Heyman tonight. Superman punched him and was about to do some more dastardly things to Paul Heyman until Brock Lesnar ran out there and saved the day. But the thing is, Brock Lesnar didn't do anything to Paul Heyman. He didn't offer help. He didn't do anything as far as beating him down further. He just let Paul Heyman lay there. Roman Reigns was destroyed by Brock Lesnar tonight with two F5s. So Roman Reigns and the bloodline have no more Paul Heyman by them or by their side. Or do they? Or do they? Paul Heyman said something very, very, very intriguing tonight. And he said that he is saving Roman Reigns from Brock Lesnar. He said he's saving Roman Reigns from Brock Lesnar. Now, what exactly does that mean? I don't know what that means, but what I interpret that as is I think Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman are in cahoots here to pull the rug out from underneath Brock Lesnar at day one. I think a Paul Heyman turn on Roman Reigns was too easy. I honestly think the way that they're thinking that Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, if there was a clear-cut turn and Paul Heyman turned on Roman and sided with Brock, it would be way, way too easy. That's not very creative. It's not very creative for a Paul Heyman either. It's not. Let's be real. Paul Heyman's the type of guy that likes to throw a wrench into people's gears. Paul Heyman likes to switch things up. He likes to keep people guessing. And that's what I love and appreciate about Paul Heyman. 
Roman Reigns has been in that boat as well because everything that Roman Reigns has done has been specifically guided and produced and written with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman has been there with Roman Reigns throughout this entire run, and Roman Reigns has been better off for it. I can't help WWE's creative with everybody that they've thrown at Roman Reigns, but if you're looking at Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns is better off with Paul Heyman. The thing that I think is going to happen here going into day one after what we saw tonight in the closing segment of SmackDown is Roman Reigns is going to be on the cusp or be on the brink of losing that Universal Championship at day one. And I don't know if Paul Heyman's going to be in Lesnar's corner. I don't know if Paul Heyman's not going to be there at all. That's the part I don't know. Is Heyman even going to be at day one in that match? Is he going to be in anybody's corner in that match? I don't know. But what I think we get at day one coming out of tonight's SmackDown in that closing segment is all of this being one big elaborate plan with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. I am saving you from Brock Lesnar. That's when Roman turned on him, fired him, and that's when the plan kicked into full gear. That's when the plan started right there with that. That was it. Then we get to day one, and who's going to save Roman Reigns from Brock Lesnar? It's going to be Paul Heyman. because He's the one that instituted that on SmackDown tonight. I like it. Now, there were big reports coming out of many sources, many dirt sheets, many of the publications that you guys read on the internet, that there's supposed to be some big, big ending. Some really big ending at the end of day one. They really wanted to close the show with a bang. They're hyping up this big ending. It's rumored to be a big ending between Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I predicted maybe we get a turn, like I said. That's too predictable. It's too easy. I said maybe a Drew McIntyre gets involved and he throws his name in there, but... They got this guy meddling around with fucking Baron Corbin. Drew McIntyre was announced for day one in a match against Madcap Moss. So clearly he's not going to factor into the Universal Championship picture at day one. They got him running around with two fucking geeks. So what I think is going to happen is exactly what I told you. I think Roman Reigns is going to be saved by Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's going to turn on Brock or... Not really turn on Brock. He's already turned on Brock. But it's going to be a big elaborate plan by Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns to get the to get the win and pull the rug out from underneath Brock Lesnar as Roman Reigns is going to beat Lesnar again at day one. Do we want to see it again at WrestleMania? I know I don't. But that's where I think Drew McIntyre gets involved. I do think we get a triple threat match still. That's my prediction. Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And that's the way we end WrestleMania on night two. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about that. I do think it's one big elaborate plan by Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. Other than that, WWE didn't really have much going on on SmackDown. Charlotte Flair was pinned by Tony Storm. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The New Day versus the Usos was... Somewhat, I don't know why. Some way WWE thought this made sense tonight. They put the New Day and the Usos on the show tonight. 
two weeks before day one and their tag team title match. I don't get it. WWE thinks they are so great. Meanwhile, all they do is just make everybody look fucking stupid. We'll go over that as well. Did not make any sense at all. WWE also announced a 12-man gauntlet match. Please tell me you're lazy without telling me you're lazy. Gauntlet match next week for the Christmas edition of SmackDown, or Christmas Eve edition of SmackDown. 12-man gauntlet match. Winner of this gauntlet match is the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. That's a great job, Bruce. You finally realized that the Intercontinental title was still on the brand. Great. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Keep it. You and your petty fucking bullshit. 12 guys, I'm sure, don't deserve a fucking IC title shot. All going to be put in a gauntlet match because WWE's taking the holiday off and they figured, let's fill the entire show with 12 men and a gauntlet match. They'll eat that up. Fucking lazy booking. Lazy, lazy WWE creative. On Rampage, not much happened on Rampage, but we got the announcement of the Owen Hart Cup. We will go over that news as well. I got when and where this will take place. AEW's Owen Hart Cup tournament officially announced with Martha Hart officially being all elite. She will announce the men's and women's winners at double or nothing. Should be a monumental moment for the Owen Hart Foundation. Excellent stuff there. And I got news on Darby Allen as well. We'll go over that. I don't know if you guys were in the news today. Darby Allen apparently had his quote-unquote past allegations, his past abuse allegations, brought to light again by NXT's Cora Jade. Had a little back and forth on social media today where they both ended up deleting the tweets. They pulled the good old tweet and delete. I don't know why this is still a thing, but apparently it was in the news and both superstars were trending today. It's unbelievable. People don't know how to fucking spend time in their day. It really, it really sucks. Twitter is a complete cesspool. Honestly. So we got a lot to go over, guys. I'm glad you're with me. Bear with me. Going to try and get through this the best that I can, but I appreciate you guys being with me here on the podcast for sure. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. Hit that thumbs up. We got 477 likes in the live stream chat. There's 1,700 people in the venue tonight, man. I need at least 1,000 likes on the live stream tonight. That's the minimum. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. It helps not only the video out, but it helps the channel get into recommended sections on YouTube. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up for me. It's the best, best, best way to support the show. Get those Super Chats in, man. We had a great week of Super Chats. I love you guys. Thank you for all of your support. Make sure you guys get your Super Chats in. We will hang out at the end of the show and read through them all. So make sure you guys get them on in and we'll hang out with some cold beverages at the end of the show. Also, hit that join button 
and become a VIP right here on OTS. I love all my VIPs, man. You see many of them in the chat with those custom emotes and those custom badges in the chat. You guys can have access to those immediately when signing up. Just hit that join button and become a VIP, and you guys can be sitting with me back there in the VIP section, man. So thank you guys very much for doing that. We already got one new member. Chef Guns is a new member tonight. What are you drinking, brother? You let me know, and I'll have Jesse fetch it for you immediately. Thank you guys for all of your support on that. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content this week. We got Monday Night Raw. We got NXT. We got Dynamite. All those live stream post shows. If you guys missed any of that stuff, go and check it out. Especially Wednesdays, man. That 60-minute classic. Brian Danielson and Adam Hangman Page that people foolishly complained about. Because they have nothing else better to do. Go touch some grass. There are bigger things to fucking complain about in the industry. Yet you're complaining about Brian Danielson wrestling for 60 fucking minutes. I just don't get people, man. I don't understand it. I mean, I'm going to have a laundry list of complaints just going over a two-hour SmackDown. You want me to fucking bitch and moan about a one-hour draw in a world title match between two fantastic professional wrestlers? fuck is wrong with you people? Also, go get your t-shirts, man. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Scripts. Go get your black and white OTS, NWO, throwback-inspired design. And go get your Wolfpack, LTB. Long-term booking, man. In the red and black. Those are available now on Bonfire.com. The exclusive home of OTS. And tonight's show is once again sponsored by my great friends over at Audible, audibletrial.com slash scripts. Make sure you guys sign up 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice. You guys can cancel at any time in that 30 day period and still get to keep your audio book no matter what, man. That's audibletrial.com slash scripts. Let's get on with the show, man. I appreciate you guys once again for being here on the SmackDown Post Show for December 17th. We start off with Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks, Tony Storm, Charlotte Flair, and Shotzi Blackheart. They found Shotzi. They found Shotzi. It's amazing. I was about to put her on a fucking uh, milk cart. You know, you got the empty milk cartons out back by the uh, by the dumpster. I was going to plaster her picture right on the fucking plastic milk cartons, Titus. I know. I'm surprised to see her as well. See, Titus is fucking surprised. It's amazing. Just been on fucking TV since Survivor Series. Why hasn't she been on TV? I don't get it. Tag team match here. The worst thing that WWE did was turn Shotzi heel. She she does not feel the same. She does not look the same at all. I am uh, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to do a little uh, a little free throw here for you guys. Uh, Shotzi is actually worse on the main roster than she was in NXT. I feel like she's regressed on the main roster. 
She's sloppy. She almost feels like she doesn't even want to be there or wrestles like she doesn't want to be there. It's, it's just lifeless motion is what I'm watching. There's literally, legitimately no excitement from Shot. This was the woman who came out in a fucking tank, right? Claiming that she's going to jump in the ball pit and doing all this fucking high, high flying shit dives and whatnot, killing herself in the ring. And all of a sudden, WWE has taken all of this away from her and has now made her into just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. Shotzi Blackheart is fucking ordinary. Can you imagine? Can you imagine looking at Shotzi Blackheart and looking at the type of woman she is and claiming that she's ordinary? That's exactly what WWE's done to her. Ordinary. It's fucking sad. It really is. Sasha Banks looked incredible tonight. She was uh, recently featured on the red carpet for the new Spider-Man movie. And she looked incredible there. And she had Spider-Man-inspired gear tonight. So, Mikaze and Sasha probably enjoyed the movie thoroughly and wanted to take that influence and make her gear into Spider-Man-esque, I guess. It looked great. Looked very, very good. Tony Storm. I hope WWE is really catching on with what Tony Storm can really bring to the table in the women's division. We need more women like Tony Storm on this roster. You know, WWE's always looking and claiming to want to get younger in the demographic, yet you keep people like Shotzi Blackheart off of television. Tony Storm is fucking getting pies thrown in her face. These are women that could absolutely help in your demographic. And I see people claiming that Spider-Man was amazing. I have not seen it yet. I would like to see it very much. I watched most of all the Spider-Man movies so far. Up and I maybe I the, the only one I did not see was the legit last one they did. Everything else I've watched. And I've enjoyed them for the most part. But I would really like to see this one, but I don't really want to go to a movie theater with large crowds and sit there masked to watch a fucking movie. I feel like I'm going to have to wait till it hits the home theater. Everybody's saying it's amazing. I I I I, I hope it is. I hope it is. You guys are giving me uh, hopes that it's not a fucking fail. But as far as the tag team match goes, this wasn't bad. Tag team match wasn't bad. But WWE, they got a lot of work to do to really bring this division to where it needs to be, man. The, the, the WWE and their lackadaisical ways with the women's division it really, it really sucks. I mean, I can't even get. I, I, I think Tony Storm is great. I do. I think Tony Storm is such an integral piece to the future of this company when it comes to women's wrestling. And they've let her down already. This entire feud with Charlotte Flair is built off fucking pie. Who cream pied who first is what the feud is, and, and this is what Bruce Pritchard finds entertaining and comical when it comes to women's wrestling. It's all one big joke to him. So Tony Storm and and Charlotte Flair, it it should be built up in a way that's a little bit more exciting, seeing how they are two really good professional wrestlers. But the entire storyline is built off who cream pied who first. Shotzi doesn't even factor into this. She's just there because there's legitimately nobody else to put into this role 
Everybody else is doing something else or there isn't enough people. You got Natty, Shayna, Sonia, Naomi, Zia Lee. Who else is there? Who else is there on this show? You got all those women in one feud and then you got these four. So Shotzi's only there by default. I thought she was there tonight to take the pinfall loss, to be quite honest with you. That didn't happen. So we'll pick it up after the break here. We got a commercial break. Charlotte threw Sasha into the ringside barricade. I am done for a very long time. I'm still not ready to see another Sasha versus Charlotte match. I'm not. She carried her back into the ring. After throwing her into the barricade, went for a quick cover. Only got a two count. Sasha tagged in Tony Storm. She won on the offensive against Shotzi. Charlotte tagged back in and gave Tony Storm an overhead toss, sending Storm outside. Sasha was uh, rallying against Charlotte and also at the same time hitting Shotzi with the forearm to knock her off the apron. So Charlotte and Sasha exchanged forearms in the ring. Sasha rolled up Charlotte for a two count, hit a bulldog. And climbed to the top rope. Storm tagged herself in. Sasha leapt off the top rope. Charlotte ducked. And Storm surprised Charlotte with a top rope cross body for a near fall. Uh, Sasha apparently didn't know that Storm tagged her. So Storm surprised Charlotte with a top rope cross body for a near fall. And Charlotte drove Storm's head into the bottom turnbuckle to turn momentum for her team. Charlotte went to the top rope for her moonsault. Yes, Charlotte again going up top for the moonsault, which looks absolutely fucking horrendous every single time. She misses the moonsault, lands on her feet, does the Andrade standing moonsault. It looks fucking awful. Tony Storm got her knees up. Storm rolled up Charlotte, bridged back, and got the one, two, three. Michael Cole screamed, Tony Storm pins the champion. Can you believe it? Yes, I can. It's WWE television. It happens every fucking week. Tony Storm pins Charlotte Flair. And she wins the match for her and Sasha Banks in the open of SmackDown. Decent tag team match. Storm looked good. Shotzi did not. I thought Shotzi looked fucking terrible in this match. She looked very sloppy. And then we get another champion losing on television. Seriously. Like, I don't understand. Like, this is what fucking irks the shit out of me. This is what irks the fucking shit out of me. Don't we all know that it's leading to a Charlotte and Tony Storm match at some point? Whether it happens next week, the week after that, at day one. Aren't we all... In an understanding that Charlotte and Tony Storm are on a collision course for the SmackDown Women's Championship, right? What good does what, what, what good does it do Tony Storm to pin the champion in this match when she's already getting a fucking championship match? What good does it do Charlotte to lose as SmackDown Women's Champion here in a non-title situation? I don't understand the way your champions are booked, Bruce, Vince. Why? Does anybody have any fucking value as champion on this goddamn program? 
We all knew this was going to be the match. There's no reason to now justify Tony Storm getting a fucking championship match because she pinned the champion in a fucking tag team match in a non-title situation. It irks the shit out of me. They claim it's momentum. I don't give a fuck about momentum. I would rather the challenger be booked strong. I would rather the champion be booked strong. And I would like two fucking competitors meeting in the ring when the time is right who look strong. I'd like two competitors in a championship match where there's a fucking story behind it, not overbaked goods. But what the fuck do I know, Bruce? What a shit program this is between, between Tony and Charlotte Flair. Fucking awful. Now they booked the match for next week. It's a taped show. We'll find the spoilers out, I'm sure, within the next 24 to 48 hours. Right? WWE usually with these Christmas shows, they usually like to send the crowd home happy. Now, Charlotte and Tony Storm have already wrestled. And now Tony beats Charlotte here tonight in this tag team match. Are we getting a situation? Are we getting a situation where we're getting a new champion next week? Are we getting a new champion next week? Because WWE usually likes to send the crown. Didn't Big E win the Intercontinental Champion on the Christmas show last year? If I'm not mistaken. I think WWE may actually do the title switch. I think WWE may do the title switch. And I think WWE will do this match again at day one. Either that or WWE gives us a fuck finish next week. And then Tony Storm wins it at day one. Which I don't know what good that would do. I don't see Tony Storm holding the championship for very long. This is a very, very, it's a very confusing situation. It's almost as if WWE wants to push Tony Storm and they want to make Tony champion. But I also don't see them going into WrestleMania without Charlotte Flair as the SmackDown Women's Champion. Because they're going to need to sell tickets for, for, for WrestleMania. And they want all their best hands on deck for WrestleMania, I'm assuming. So I don't know what good any of this is doing anybody. Same thing with Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch on Monday Night Raw. They're already claiming that Liv Morgan is an odds-on favorite to win the title from Becky Lynch at day one, which I'm assuming she will. She got cheated out of it on Monday Night Raw a couple weeks ago. This is all leading to her winning the title at day one. And then what? Cheating to win? Because Becky made fun of her for not doing it herself quicker? So what is Liv Morgan going to do? Use the same tactic on Becky Lynch that was used against her and then win the title at day one or lose it back to Becky at the Royal Rumble? Because they know WWE, they don't want Liv Morgan as champion. They want Liv Morgan to have a token run and they want everybody to be happy for a little bit and then give the title right back to the woman they want champion. It's exactly what's going to happen. You think Becky Lynch is going into WrestleMania without the the Royal Women's Championship? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You think Charlotte Flair is going into WrestleMania without the SmackDown Women's Championship? Come on. Also, this is another great way for WWE to pad Charlotte's record. Yes, let's take it off of her so Charlotte can win it back in three weeks. There's another reign. What's that going to be? 16? Give me a break. Don't really like champions losing, but this is WWE standard. This is their regular thing on TV every week. Doesn't matter who it is. 
decent tag team match. Tony pins Charlotte. Don't see what good it does, Charlotte. Don't see what good it does, Tony. You pin the champion, you better be fucking beating the champion next week in that women's title match. If not, I don't give a shit. WWE's got ass backwards mentality, man. Instead of having an actual division and giving your challengers wins and then giving them the championship match based off winning matches, no, they want their champions to lose to the challenger and then that constitutes a championship match. It is a fucked up mentality. It really is. And there are people out there that are absolutely blind to the fact that this shit happens and they don't give a shit. And these people are the fucking detriment. They are the absolute fucking cancer of why the product is fucking terrible. They got to change their ways, man. I will complain about it until I'm blue in the fucking face. Shinsuke Nakamura, the intercontinental champion. You never know it. You would never know it. He hasn't defended it. What is it, four months now? Drew Gulak, Ricochet, Mansoor, Rick Boogs. They were all backstage bowing and worshipping King Xavier Woods. Oh, such a cringy fucking gimmick. The Usos walked in, made fun of Xavier. Xavier talked about the royal beating they gave the Usos last week. Kofi Kingston laughed. Then he gyrated. Usos agreed to face them tonight and then beat them again. At day one, when the Usos left, Xavier said, you know, those two, they smell very badly. So on top of the overly cringe gimmick and the gyrating and the fucking terrible scripting of their promos. We got the Usos versus the New Day happening tonight. Meanwhile, we got this match happening for the titles at day one in two weeks. I, I, I. I fail to see why this makes any sense. I'd love for somebody out there to give me a logical explanation as to why this makes sense tonight. Here's a fucking clue. You don't have one. There is no logical fucking reasoning for this to be happening tonight. Yet WWE does it because they think we're a bunch of fucking idiots. And they have no fucking roster on SmackDown. So they got to give us shit like this because of their own terrible creative. They should have thought about this before they did the draft. Look at SmackDown. Look at how awful it is roster-wise compared to Monday Night Raw. You overloaded Monday Night Raw because it's three hours. And now SmackDown is suffering. SmackDown was actually a little bit more enjoyable to watch because you had actual fucking talent on that show. Now you got nobody but Roman. Nobody but Roman. It's quite sad. And when there's nobody but Roman, this is what we're getting. New Day versus Usos. What is this, the fucking 28th time? I don't know how anybody could fucking bring themselves to care about this feud and this match happening tonight and watch. Then we get it at the pay-per-view. Lazy, lazy, lazy fucking creative. The Viking Raiders, they made their way out to the ring. I actually quite like their new theme music. They changed their old theme music. It actually fits pretty nicely with them. I I, I don't like this overbearing fucking pounding of the chest that they do. It's very repetitive. That's a Vince McMahon thing, I'm sure. 
Oh, Vikings pound their chest, right? Whatever. They made their way. And the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar, they uh, went one-on, not one-on-one, tag team match uh, against Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal! And Shanky, this is what their tag team division has been uh, dwindled down to, man. Keep it. Jinder Mahal and Shanky. I don't know how Jinder Mahal still has a fucking job here, man. Really. I really don't. So, Viking Raiders, you know, I think the Viking Raiders are highly, highly underutilized. I do. I don't know why it's so difficult to book tag team wrestling in WWE. I don't even have anything written here for this match. Viking Raiders win. Eric dropped Ivar uh, into Shanky's face. Ivar leapt off the top rope with the splash on Shanky for the clean win. What was that? Big splash off the top rope by the big man. About five minutes. Why are the Viking Raiders so piss poor creatively in WWE? You know, Triple H had them done right. Triple H did them right in NXT. He made it look easy. He took these guys, War Machine from... Ring of Honor and New Japan. He made them into WWE guys. He gave them a look. He gave them a new name. He gave them kick-ass theme music. He gave them great fucking gear. Had them go out there and savagely beat every fucking tag team that were thrown in their face. These guys should be so much better off than where they are now. Seriously. I don't know why... Two guys like this have just gone and been buried in WWE. There's no tag team division. That's a start, number one. Number two, they're an NXT thing. This is a Paul Levesque thing. These guys are Paul Levesque guys. The Viking, the War Raiders were Paul Levesque guys. They weren't pushed for the longest time because... They weren't a product of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. These are two fucking indie guys that Triple H took from the indies, tried to make into something special. Vince and Bruce didn't give a shit about them, and they let them just die on the main roster. Now they're on SmackDown, on a roster with nobody but Roman Reigns, and now WWE's forced to use them. But there's no tag team division. There's absolutely no tag team division on SmackDown. If this is your tag team division, Jinder Mahal and Shanky... And fucking Los Lotarios. I I don't see how this is going to generate any buzz at all. WWE doesn't give a shit about tag team wrestling. And all WWE is going to do is create some fucking tag team match. And treat it as a a big afterthought. The Usos are tag team champions. The New Day are tag team champions. That's all you're going to see. But we got the Usos and the fucking New Day on SmackDown tonight. Meanwhile, there are... At least a handful of fucking guys on this show that should be in that spot for the six minutes that the Usos and the New Day went out there. They didn't need to be out there. Where's Mustafa Ali in Chicago? Where's Ricochet? Where's Shinsuke Nakamura? I I, I don't understand the logic by the people that run this show. I've been saying this for fucking seven years now. Ever since the goddamn draft 
had its 2016 version. The tag team division does not need two separate titles. If you merged the divisions, the Viking Raiders would be treated as such a great asset to this division. As they sit now, the Viking Raiders are a nothing team on a dying fucking creative show that is being led by the Usos and the New Day, and they're never going to get a run at the tag team titles because they're not the Usos or the New Day. They're just there. They're supporting players. Their role is supporting players. WWE needs their biggest names on the show every week. WWE needs their biggest names on the show as champions because they know this roster sucks. So how do you think that bodes for the Viking Raiders? It bodes terribly for them. They're nothing more than supporting acts. Instead of treating these guys like legit veterans in a tag team division, instead of treating these guys like a dominant fucking group, dead. What a fucking shame. The Monday Night Raw tag team division and the SmackDown tag team division should be the same. One. They had multiple times to do this and fix this, and they've ignored the problem. I don't understand why this continues to go ignored. You think having four teams in a fucking division is cool? That makes you happy? You do realize that the more you keep this division as small as it is, the rematches that are going to be seen are abundant. You think people want to see fucking rematches every week like the Usos in the New Day? If you took the Raw Tag Team division and put it on the SmackDown show, I'd love to see the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders. Or maybe the Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. Or maybe the Dirty Dogs versus the Viking Raiders. It's lazy. And then this gets me thinking and going down that one big rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. WWE having this show on Fox and USA Network is actually ruining the entire fucking product. Don't get me started. I could sit here and talk about this shit all night and fuck the review. Having this show on Fox and NBC Universal is ruining the entire fucking product. Because Fox doesn't want anything to do with NBC, and NBC doesn't want anything to do with fucking Fox. If WWE was on NBC with Raw and SmackDown, I don't think we would have separate brands. I don't know who sold them on separate brands. I don't know if this is a Vince thing or if this is a Fox thing that they want separate brands away from NBC. Does Fox look at their show and are happy with their show? This roster is fucking terrible. And WWE does nothing to fucking aid that. I don't know. I don't know. Am I the only one that thinks the way that I do? Please tell me. I cannot be the only one that feels this way. Viking Red is winning five minutes. I've offered a big splash on Shanky for the win. Megan Morant approached Natalia for an interview backstage. All of Chicago and the All-State Arena fell asleep. Natalia said she is a world record holder for the most matches of any woman in WWE and the most pay-per-view matches of any woman in WWE history. 
She took issue with Zia Lee, who apparently was not on the show tonight. It's a great way to follow up a big debut, Bruce, right, by keeping said Zia Lee off the show. Great. So whatever she did last week went unnoticed this week. Great. She said she is the best of all time, and if Zia Lee ever steps up to her, she will need a protector. I need a protector from this fucking terrible creative, please. Adam Pierce. There was a clip of Adam Pierce telling Drew McIntyre he couldn't bring his sword to the ring, so Drew McIntyre plunged it through his desk last week. Madcap Moss and Boring Corbin were shown stealing the desk. Then they showed Corbin and Moss bringing the desk from Los Angeles to Chicago with the sword still stuck in the top. They were snickering like a couple of geeks and they rolled it through the backstage area all the way out to the ring. Happy Corbin must be a really, really wealthy man, bro. Spending his money on fucking taking desks with swords in it and paying for that airfare to get it from Los Angeles to Chicago. What a fucking geek. Roman Reigns, he was being awaited by Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman was outside of the parking lot area. A limo pulled up. He thought it was Roman Reigns. And out comes Brock Lesnar, smiling. Stepped out of the limo. We're doing a little advocating tonight, aren't we, Paul? Heyman then uh, was kind of taken aback by this, and he thought it was Roman Reigns, but Brock Lesnar popped out. Heyman was expecting somebody else. Lesnar said, that's okay. I'm sure you were expecting Roman, right? Heyman nodded, yes. Lesnar then patted Heyman on the shoulder and told him, yeah, good luck with that. And he walks into the arena. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss made their way to the ring, and then I hear the sounds of remote controls all around the world being picked up and changing the channel to Food Network. I'm not sure if Guy Fieri's on Friday nights, but I picked up the remote control and I muted the television. The sound of his theme music is nauseating, and the segment, Happy Talk, is one of the worst segments in WWE history. What a complete fucking joke. Somehow, WWE, they woke up one day and said, how can we make Baron Corbin worse than his last character? Oh, I know. Let's turn him into Happy Corbin and have him snickering and giggling like a fucking idiot. That's his gimmick. Happy Corbin with Mad Cat Moss. Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss made their way to the ring. Corbin told fans if... You're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. No, I'm not fucking happy. You're on my television. You know what's going to make me happy? When Bruce Pritchard picks up the pen and writes you off the fucking program. That's what will make me fucking happy. The desk is there with the sword in it. Corbin says they have a new addition to their happy talk set. So the sword in the desk is an expensive hat rock. And he could be uh, using this to cut a cigar or trim his fingernails. Corbin says he couldn't be happier. 
but he'd still like an amazing joke from Moss. So we get a joke from Moss. He says, and I quote, what do you call Drew McIntyre when he leaves a sword behind on a desk? The Glasgow dits. They left. I didn't. Moss asked, where can you find a discount kilt? Don't ask me. Ask Bargain Basement Braveheart. Again, I didn't laugh. And neither did Chicago. As they started chanting CM Punk, CM Punk in the All-State Arena. And rightfully so, because this fucking segment was fucking embarrassing. McAfee says, I'm with this crowd. I want love. Moss asks, why did Drew McIntyre's girl decide to wear a suit? She decided at least one person in the relationship should wear the pants. This is fucking, this absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal fucking segment. Really. Moss then tried to pull the sword out of the desk. He couldn't. Aaron Corbin said that. Uh, he tried. He's going to try and do it. He, he couldn't do it either. Moss says he really can't get it out. And he, Corbin thought he was doing an Adam Pierce impersonation. So he tried to do it again. They couldn't do it. They, they double teamed the fucking sword out of the desk. They couldn't do it. McIntyre's music played. Michael Cole said, thank God. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm with Michael Cole. Thank God. McAfee said McIntyre can't be pleased. Cole said happy talk is about to get canceled. I really wish it would. McIntyre leaned on the top rope and asked, what's the matter, lads? Are we having some performance issues? Because they couldn't get the sword out of the desk. Yeah, Corbin, if you're having performance issues, bro, bluechew.com, code JD, at checkout for your free sample. You know, Corbin's having those performance issues. Anyway, Moss took a swing, Drew blocked him, knocked him to the floor, headbutted Corbin. McIntyre then pulled the sword out of the desk. Easy. That's how it's done. Angela is free, said Cole. Moss pulled Corbin to safety as Drew swung the sword and tried to stab both of these geeks. Drew took Corbin's hat on the end of his sword, and Corbin wasn't happy about that. I'm not happy about this fucking segment. You know, Baron Corbin, the last time Baron Corbin was interesting was when Baron Corbin had hair and he came out with the lone wolf character on NXT television. That's when he was most interesting. Ever since then, Baron Corbin has just absolutely been one of the worst parts of any part of WWE TV he's been a part of. He's been a part of some of the most egregious and just god-awful segments in WWE history. This is the same guy that fed dog food to Roman Reigns and started shitting on the fans for it. You fucking serious? What a joke. This is a lame fucking shit gimmick that will go nowhere. It's already dead. The fans fucking hate it. And everybody should want to strive to be a world champion. This guy is looking to make fucking comedy skits and ha 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 he 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 on SmackDown. This is what you call professional wrestling? Nah, but we're in the sports entertainment business, right, Corbin? You're a fucking joke. To professional wrestling, you're a fucking joke. But I'm glad you could go buy your Rolexes and your fucking Patek Philippe's and your Panerais. It's great. And show off your fucking rent-a-cars 
throwing around your Ferraris everywhere. It's great. It's great. This guy sucks. The one, the one glimmer of hope Baron Corbin had was the King of the Ring tournament when he won the fucking tournament. That tournament, I spoke so highly of Corbin. That was some of the, that was some of his best work. It really was, and he had a great tournament up until the match with Chad Gable. I thought that was great, and then WWE gave him that shit king gimmick that went nowhere. Completely fucking overdid that for two years. They did nothing to fucking really change the character at all, even give us a tournament the next year. They just left this guy as king for two years. What a fucking terrible, terrible gimmick. Awful. And the fans let them have it tonight, chanting CM Punk. And you know Kevin Dunn fucking hit that mute button pretty fucking quick. They died those fucking chants down before you could even blink. Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn walked up to Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville, and Deville noted that Sami wasn't in a neck brace or a wheelchair anymore. Sami said his lawyer told him he didn't need it. Then he corrected himself and said his doctor said that. Ha, ha, ha. I love Sami Zayn. Sami then said he was robbed of his universal title opportunity, and he wanted to know how long it'll take to get his opportunity back. Sami said the last time it happened with his intercontinental title, it was over a year ago. Sammy says he loves that title. Pierce said next week, listen, you can be in a 12-man gauntlet match with the winner getting an IC title match. Sammy says that's not really a gift because I have to beat 11 other guys. Pierce then wished him happy holidays. 12-man gauntlet match next week. So we got the 12 days of Christmas gauntlet match. And like I said, it is WWE's way of pretty much telling us, hey, we're trying to fill two hours of a holiday-themed episode by doing virtually no work. It's exactly what they are trying to accomplish next week. That's all that is. Rich Holland. Rich Holland versus Cesaro. You know, Rich Holland got called up from NXT. And it was the muscle with Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch, right? Pete Dunne is still there. Oni Lorcan got fired. Danny Burch is probably going to end up getting fired eventually. Rich Holland, you know, he was somebody with identity on NXT television. He came out. You knew who he was. He had his own theme music, Right. He was still obviously placed behind Pete Dunne because Pete Dunne was the veteran. Rich Holland was the rookie, which makes sense. But you never seen Rich Holland come out to Pete Dunne's theme music. You never seen Rich Holland come out to fucking Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch's theme music. Rich Holland always came out to Rich Holland's theme music. Rich Holland, for the duration of his WWE main roster run so far, which has been a complete fucking failure... Jesse just texted me. You know what? Jesse's actually right. The best thing Baron Corbett has ever done was give Becky the end of days. I absolutely have to agree with him. That was fucking great. That was easily the best thing Baron Corbin's ever done. All right, moving on. I don't want to get stuck on Baron Corbin. Somebody's fucking clipping and sending it to him. Who gives a fuck? Anyway, Rich Holland. What I was trying to say about Rich Holland, ever since Rich Holland has made his way to the main roster, Rich Holland has not been... 
Rich Holland. They've always put him with Seamus behind Seamus coming out to Seamus's theme music. He doesn't have an identity of his own. How exactly is this going to get Rich Holland over with the fans? Well, because you pair him with Seamus, you think Rich Holland's going to just feed off of that when you hear Seamus and his theme music, you see Seamus's graphics, you see Seamus there walking down the aisle and Rich Holland's walking in the shadows. You think the fans are going to realize that Rich Holland is there or at the end of the night when they go home, they're going to think, oh, yeah, man, that Rich Holland, he was great. No, they're not. Rich Holland is being treated as a fucking afterthought in this Seamus pairing. So why is he even here? You know, just like Hit Row, I said it then, I said it with Rich Holland. I said Rich Holland wasn't ready for the main roster. And again, I am being proven correct. Rich Holland was nowhere near ready for the main roster. Nowhere near ready. Guy at least had another year and a half, two years tops on NXT. Rich Holland would have fit on this fucking NXT, whatever the fuck you want to call it. He would have fit on that show. So why didn't you keep him there? You got Pete Dunn there. If Pete Dunn could fucking fit on that show, Rich Holland can fit on that show. Why did you need Rich Holland on the main roster? Why did you need Rich Holland on the main roster if this was the extent of how you were going to use him? That's what I want to know. He's got no identity. What a joke. They botched this guy's fucking debut. Kept him off TV for fucking weeks. Had him lose his debut match. Then they put him in a battle royal that same night. Had him eliminated by the same guy that he lost to. Yeah, this is somehow getting Rich Holland over, right? So he's got another rematch with Sheamus. Cesaro was wearing rib tape. He was favoring his ribs. Sheamus distracted Cesaro. Holland then power slammed Cesaro for the win. Sheamus celebrated with Holland afterwards in the ring. I mean, how is this getting Rich Holland over? Not only did you botch this guy's debut, you've given him no identity, and now you straddled him with 50-50 booking. 50-50 booking. When was the last time this guy was seen on the show? Three weeks ago? Guarantee you that nobody fucking knows who Rich Holland is. You kept him off TV, put him in another match with Cesaro, thinking that people forgot about his loss three weeks ago, only to have him win against Cesaro tonight. As if it does anything for Rich Holland. It does nothing. What exactly does this do? Nothing. What a fucking waste. You know what I think it is? And this only proves my point correct. Three minutes. Rich Holland hasn't been in the ring. He hasn't looked good at all. His finisher is fucking garbage. You know what I think it is? WWE realizes that Rich Holland is not fucking ready to be in the ring for more than three fucking minutes. And that's where they're keeping his matches like this. Three minutes or less. If he's not ready for the main roster, why did you call him up? That's what I want to know. No, because he's got the look that Vince McMahon likes. So what? So what? You fired how many fucking people? No, but Rich Holland gets a crack at the main roster. Rich Holland's ready for the main roster. Sure thing. Could have told you that fucking the day of the fucking draft. Actually, I did. Rich Holland. 
You want to call British Island, but you want to keep LA Knight on the fucking NXT show, right? Why isn't LA Knight on the fucking Friday night show? What is LA Knight doing on NXT? You can't make fucking money with LA Knight on Fox? Are you fucking mental? No, but Rich Holland's on the show, right? Yeah, Rich Holland's a great fit for SmackDown. He's doing great things on Friday night, right? Creative is fucking atrocious. Atrocious. Naomi. She stood in the ring. She had her annual gift list and had just one wish on it, facing Sonya Deville in a one-on-one match. She said Deville has literally done everything to me at this point other than face me one-on-one. She told her she wanted to do this tonight. Where are you at? Sonya walked out and told Naomi she is so unprofessional. She said she's explained before that she's wearing a suit or when she's wearing a suit, she can't touch her. She, had to, she said she has another opponent for her, though. She said that person is superior to her in every single way. Shayna Baszler. Naomi said she'll fight Baszler, but she dares Sonya to get into the ring. Sonya entered the ring. She began to take off her jacket when Baszler attacked Naomi from behind. She beat up Naomi's leg. Sonya told the ref to ring the bell. Baszler applied a leg lock right away. And Naomi, though, leveraged Baszler's shoulders down for a sudden surprise one, two, three, less than a minute. Shayna Baszler loses to Naomi. In the same week, Rhea Ripley loses to fucking Zelina Vega in about 46 seconds. The women's division in WWE is the most embarrassing division for women's wrestling in all of pro wrestling. I want you guys to be aware of that and understand that 100%. If you think this is fucking storytelling, you are a complete blithering idiot. There is absolutely no fucking way that Shayna Baszler should be losing to anybody in one minute. Give me a fucking break. No, but we got to see the Usos versus the New Day for the fucking 67th time on SmackDown. Are you fucking serious? How does anybody find interest in this shit? How could anybody pass? I am so over this Naomi and Sonya shit. I I don't care anymore. I don't. It was cool... When it first showed up on television, it was a great way to introduce Sonya back into the ranks of the women's division. It was giving Naomi something to do against somebody semi-decent. And they've just fucking dragged this shit out to a point where I, I, I just want it to end. I really do. I really do. I don't know what the fuck they're waiting for. This women's division is fucking garbage. One-minute matches on Raw. One-minute matches on SmackDown. This is the John Laurinaitis Effect. This is the Bruce Pritchard effect for the women's division. It's great. Backstage, Megan Morant interviewed Corbin and Moss hiding in a boiler room. Corbin says he's happy because he's rich and can look down on common people. Said they're going to be laughing all the way to day one when Drew is going to lose to Moss. Moss reacted like that was news to him and he wasn't thrilled. Corbin assured him he should be happy. Uh, I I don't know why we're getting McIntyre versus Madcap Moss. I I, I hope to God that when we get that match, it ends in about the same time Naomi beat Shayna Baszler. Give me a break. 
Why are we getting that type of match on a fucking pay-per-view to start your WWE New Year? Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see Happy Corbin versus McIntyre either, so you better fucking keep that away from me too. Xavier Woods rolled out on his throne with Kofi by his side. Cole wondered if this match will be officially for the title. It was a non-title match. The Usos, Jimmy and Jay versus The New Day. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. New Day win in about nine minutes. Xavier landed a top rope flying leg drop on Jimmy. Kofi tagged himself in, leapt at Jimmy, but Jimmy ducked to the super kick for a near fall. Referee did not allow a tag to Jay because he didn't see it. Xavier knocked Jay off the ring apron when Jimmy joined uh, in on the arguing here. Kofi landed a trouble in paradise for the one, two, three, and the new day. They beat the champions squeaky clean. Clean as a whistle. Nine minutes. They pinned the champions in a non-title match in the main event of SmackDown. Don't know why. I don't know why this match happened two weeks before the title match at day one. I don't. I, I, I don't understand why the Usos, every time they're in a match, tag team match, or it's a one-on-one match, they, they, they're treated like fucking jobbers. These are your SmackDown tag team champions. These are, you know, the, the background players for Roman Reigns. Every time they lose, they make Roman Reigns and the bloodline look fucking weak, right? Does nobody understand that? Your champions should not be losing on fucking television to the team that already has a championship match two weeks from now at a fucking pay-per-view. The match shouldn't even be booked, number one. But the champions should not be losing. And the Usos should not be losing as much as they do. But you want to know the fucking thing that pissed me off most? Do you want to know the one thing that pissed me off most? These fucking geeks, Jimmy and Jay Uso, they went right back out there with Roman Reigns and stood there as if nothing in the last match ever happened. They stood there with their titles right behind their tribal chief, standing behind Roman Reigns as if fucking nothing happened. It is so sickening to see what WWE does just to fill segments on this show. An absolute waste of fucking time. So what does this prove? What did this prove tonight with the New Day beating the Usos? It means, number one, WWE cannot book fucking champions correctly. Number two, the tag team division is in fucking utter shambles. Number three, WWE, they need teams like this because they don't trust the other fucking nobody teams they have on the show. They need all their top stars. So that means we're going to get fucking rematch after rematch after rematch after rematch because they don't want to put anybody else on the fucking show because they got no fucking name value. And number four, that means the Usos are probably going to win at the pay-per-view. So thank you for making the fucking match predictable a match we've seen 97 fucking times already thank you for making this one oh so predictable bruce i don't understand why we needed this match yet you got guys like ricochet and ali and drew gulak who else is on this fucking shinsuke nakamura i don't know why we have this match Again, when we're getting it at the pay-per-view in two weeks, you couldn't, bu- you couldn't hold your load for two weeks. 
Where's Ricochet? Where is Ricochet? Where is Ali in Chicago? No, but this match needed to take place tonight. Needed, right? Creative is fucking atrocious. If anybody says otherwise, shut your fucking mouth and go and do something else instead of covering professional wrestling. You don't know a fucking thing. If this doesn't fucking irk the shit out of you, man, I don't know what the fuck does. I don't. Shit like this is fucking inexcusable. It is fucking inexcusable. Reigns arrived. Heyman excitedly said, my tribal chief, he opened the door. Reigns came out. He didn't make contact as Heyman approached him with a big smile. So you knew business was about to go down. Reigns made his way to the ring. And he has his new needle mover t-shirt. You know, the needle mover t-shirt that he talked about when he was uh, throwing digs at Roman Reigns, right? His new needle mover t-shirt. You guys know about that. So, this new needle mover t-shirt apparently caught uh, a lot of people's attention on social media today. I tweeted something out about it today. People are in my fucking mentions about ratings and Oh my God, if AEW did it, you wouldn't say anything. If Jericho said it or did it, you wouldn't criticize it. If MJF did it, you wouldn't criticize it. Yeah, I wouldn't. You're damn right I wouldn't. Because that's MJF and Chris Jericho. When they do it, it's cool. When they do it, there's a meaning behind it. When WWE does it, they're trying to be cool and they're trying to play catch up. Nobody's a fucking needle mover in WWE. Nobody. I want you guys to be very well aware of that right now. Roman Reigns is not even a needle mover. If you think Roman Reigns is a needle mover, sorry to tell you, folks, truth hurts. Roman Reigns is not a needle mover. If he was a needle mover, SmackDown ratings would be up. SmackDown ratings have been low, and they've been consistently low in the low twos. They've even dipped below two. On some weeks. No, but Roman Reigns is a needle mover, right? He's a needle mover. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a needle mover, yet WWE couldn't sell out Survivor Series at the Barclays Center, right? They advertised Roman Reigns in a fucking dark match for the UBS Arena in Long Island with Roman being there and they couldn't sell any fucking tickets. So much so they were giving four for one tickets away. No, but Roman Reigns is a needle mover, though, right? Then I got people complaining to me that CM Punk is not a needle mover. Daniel, uh, Brian Daniels is not a needle mover. I- I'm sorry, where the fuck have you been? They're not a needle mover. Okay, Pro Wrestling Tees has crashed multiple times this year because of both men. CM Punk and Brian Danielson have already netted Tony Khan a fucking extension for the next five years following 2024. For AEW wrestling on on TNT, TBS. They're not a fucking needle mover. They moved the needle enough for TNT to give Khan millions upon millions upon millions of dollars when 2024 comes. And I'll be waiting when that fucking contract is signed. And I'll be fucking standing outside with Tony Khan's fucking laughter. Crying. I'm going to capture them in a fucking cup and I'm going to drink them. Just for everybody to fucking shut the fuck up. 
I'm going to wallow in your fucking tears as AEW signs a multi-million dollar extension thanks to the likes of Brian Danielson and CM Punk. Why do you think they were brought in? Not a needle mover. CM Punk sold out the fucking United Center without one fucking hint that he was going to be there. The fuck are you talking about? It's not a needle mover. I don't remember anybody selling a show with nobody being advertised. There was nothing advertised. No, but he's not a needle mover though, right? Yeah, but Roman Reigns couldn't sell out the Barclays Center in New York City, WWE's hometown. Fuck out of here. Roman Reigns is not a needle mover. Nobody in WWE is a needle mover. Nobody in AEW is truly a needle mover. Nobody. Nobody. Roman Reigns has this new needle mover t-shirt. It's a jab at CM Punk. In August, when news broke that Punk was about to debut for AEW, BT Sports' Ariel Hawani asks Reigns about wrestlers who leave and then come back and get the main event spot. Hawani specifically mentioned John Cena and CM Punk. Reigns addressed the question and talked about certain wrestlers complaining about top guys taking spots. Reigns says, and I quote, those statements are coming from bitter people who thought they were better than they really are. When it comes down to it, CM Punk was not as good or over as John Cena. He wasn't as good or as over and moved the needle like The Rock. It was what it was. From a full-time performer, I understand the frustration and wanting more, but like I said before, you got to take it. I'm a full-time performer, and I've done everything that needs to be done to stay in this position to be in this position, to continue to make the opportunity for myself to be in the main event at SummerSlam against John Cena. That's what he said in August. Later that month, Matt Riddle told Bleacher Report he doesn't believe that Reigns moves the needle and that he could beat him up in a real fight. Those comments reportedly ruffled some feathers in WWE. Dave Meltzer said the following in August about Riddle on Wrestling Observer Radio, and I quote, in real life, his mouth gets him in a lot of trouble, including this past week. It's not like it's going to hurt his push because Vince McMahon likes him and everything, but he ruffled some feathers again with his comments on Roman Reigns where he said in a real fight he could beat him up and how Roman Reigns isn't a needle mover. Especially those were based on Roman's statements about punk, which did not age particularly well because they sold out the fucking United Center with nothing announced. Fans may point to Riddle's comments as the inspiration behind the shirt, but the first time Reigns talked about being a needle mover is when he referenced CM Punk. WWE is petty. WWE tries to be cool. They try to be hip. They try to take the fucking jab at the other company and say they're not competition. But everything that WWE does says otherwise. That's all it is. And he's wearing this needle mover t-shirt. It's it's like a fucking gas gauge like a fucking four-year-old designed this shirt, man. I got, I got Sal Rex to, to design me a fucking t-shirt. It'll look better than the shit, half the shit on WWE Shop. You fucking kidding me? Yeah, so if MJF or Jericho said or did anything like this, yeah, I'd be in support because it's not coming from a forced agenda from them. They just like, they love to print money and they're just cool and hip. They love to print money. Everything they do prints money. WWE, they got to try and find a way to fucking move t-shirt. Yeah, let's put a new needle mover t-shirt out. 
Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, let, let's get one over on Tony Khan and CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, Reigns is in the ring. Chicago, acknowledge me. Fans cheered, fans booed. Heyman held up the Universal title. Reigns stood there milking the moment for a little bit. He said he thought he made it clear that he doesn't like when his cousins lose. Yeah, Bruce. Clown. He put his hand on Jimmy's shoulder, rubbed it, then Jay's. You know that, right, Jay? We're family, and we can get through anything because we're blood. Then he turned to Heyman and said, but you, but you. Rain says, you're not my blood, and you should know better than anybody that I can't have people disrespecting me because if you disrespect me, you disrespect my entire family. Heyman was very concerned. Rain says he had some questions for Heyman. Can I trust you, wise man? Said he took a week off and he heard what happened last week. He said last week he seemed a little shady. He asked if he knew Brock was going to return at SummerSlam, that he was going to be at Madison Square Garden. Did you know he was going to be there as well? That his suspension was going to be lifted. Did you know that was going to happen? Fans chanted, you screwed up. Reigns looked at the crowd and said, you're goddamn right he screwed up. He says, this is the most important question. Are you a special counsel or are you an advocate? He turned and stared at Heyman. Heyman hung his head and asked for a handshake. Reigns did not budge at all. Heyman then asked for a microphone. Heyman looked stressed out. He turned back around to face Reigns. Reigns says, before you say anything, I want you to acknowledge me with the truth. Why are you protecting Brock Lesnar from me? Heyman looked around at the crowd nervously. Heyman then looked in Roman's eyes. And it looked like he was more serious of a Paul Heyman instead of a scared Paul Heyman. Heyman said every word, a tense struggle to utter. My tribal chief, I'm not protecting Brock Lesnar from you. I'm protecting you from Brock Lesnar. Reigns didn't like that. Heyman gave him a look. Reigns then moved in, hugged Heyman. Reigns says, I love you, wise man. I thank you for your honesty, and I thank you for all the years of service to my family. But you're fired. He then turned to leave, but turned and gave Heyman a Superman punch. He knocked Paul Heyman out. Reigns asked for a chair, and he was about to smash Heyman's head with the chair. Lesnar's music played. He walked out in his overalls. I'm loving overall Brock. Looks like a fucking beast. And he plowed right through the Usos, took them both out at ringside, gave Jay an F5. Jimmy caught Lesnar with a super kick. No, sold it. Lesnar brushed it off, gave him an F5. Lesnar looked at Reigns in the ring. Reigns stood his ground with a chair in hand. Fans were chanting Suplex City. Lesnar entered the ring. Reigns gave him several chair shots to the back, but Lesnar, no, sold everything, powered to his feet, gave Reigns an F5. Then he gave him another F5. Michael Cole said maybe Heyman was right. He said in two weeks, Lesnar might end the reign of Roman Reigns. I don't think Lesnar is going to end the reign of Roman Reigns. I don't. I honestly think this is all one big plan for Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman to pull one over the eyes of Brock Lesnar. I don't think Brock Lesnar being the universal champion makes much sense at all. I don't. I don't. The show right now is being absolutely saved. 
with Roman Reigns as his champion. There is legitimately, and I'm not even, listen, I don't mean it. I don't mean this in any disrespectful way towards Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is fucking fantastic. He really is. I'm a big Drew McIntyre guy. I get why people don't like him. I get that some people may think he's boring, but he's not the type of guy to lead SmackDown. He's not. He wasn't the guy to lead Raw. He did a great job during the pandemic, and he's admirable for doing that, but he's not going to be any better than what Roman Reigns is right now. And if you give the title to Lesnar, Lesnar is not going to be there as often as you would like. He's got a set number of dates and a set contract monetarily that WWE's paying him. You're not going to be bringing him in and paying him more and more and more. They've never done it before. And typically after WrestleMania, he goes bye-bye until SummerSlam or Survivor Series. There's not really much Lesnar's going to be doing after WrestleMania. So why would you ever think about taking the title off of Roman Reigns right now? When this is the only thing anchoring SmackDown. The only thing keeping SmackDown afloat. I don't get it. I think this is one big ruse. One big fucking ploy, plan. For Paul Heyman to side with Roman Reigns. This was the beginning stages of that. They had to make it look real. And they're going to put the plan in full effect at day one. And Roman Reigns is going to retain the title due to Paul Heyman. That's my prediction. We're going to go over AEW Rampage in just a little bit, guys. Going to step away for about 30 seconds. I know you guys love the Mustang intro that I come driving in with as we head to the venue. If you guys want to see some behind-the-scenes shit about how my team over at DVA Designs came up with that, I'm going to show you a nice little clip right now. Take a look at this, and I'll be right back in just a little bit. Awesome. Thank you once again to all my boys over at Deviate Designs for making my podcast look absolutely better than everybody else in the IWC. We got AW Rampage on TNT. Lots of tag team action on tonight's show, man. Lots of tag team action on tonight's show. A little bit too much for my liking. We got a big eight-man tag. We got a ten-man tag. We got a submission match between Penelope Ford and Tay Conti. We're going to go over that in just a little bit, but I want to check the chat here, man. Let's check the chat. We got 1,800 in the venue. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We got 774 in the chat. If you guys have not hit the thumbs up and you are here, please do so. It's a great way to help me out. Make sure you guys get those super chats in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. If you guys want to continue to join the live stream VIP section. Make sure you guys go and do that. Join the VIP club. Hit that join button down below and become a channel member. You guys get those custom emotes and badges in the live stream chat and the comment section. You guys 
Get those exclusively. You guys got access to them whenever you want. So hit that join button and become a VIP right here on Off The Script. And make sure you guys follow me on social media. All right, JD from NY206 on Twitter and Instagram. We got Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and Rocky Romero against the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, and Bobby Fish. Uh, This was actually pretty fun here, man. I enjoyed this. Uh, Rampage was actually quite entertaining tonight, but uh, I I could do without all the big multi-man matches. You know, AEW, they had winters coming on, on Wednesday night, and I feel like Tony Khan wanted to get a lot of his talent featured in Garland, Texas, and that's why we got a lot of multi-man matches on this show tonight. Uh, That show on Wednesday was obviously taken up most by Brian Danielson and Adam Page, which I have no problem with because that's the AEW World Championship and that's the biggest prize in the industry right now. But uh, I feel like with that match taking up one hour, there was little to no time to get everybody else featured on a big TV special like Winter is Coming. So Tony Khan wanted to feature everybody like the Lucha Brothers and Eddie Kingston and you got your Adam Coles and your Young Bucks on there as well, Bobby Fish, uh, Orange Cassidy. So there was there was a lot of guys featured on Rampage tonight that did not get the opportunity to be featured on Dynamite. And tonight's Rampage really felt like an extension of Dynamite. It did feel like an extension of Dynamite. On most weeks, it feels like an extension of Dark. On tonight's show, I felt like it was a true extension of Dynamite. So it, it did come off feeling a little bit more important tonight. So we got this big eight-man tag. I am very curious to know what's the present or gift that Adam Cole is going to unveil on Wednesday for the Elite. Apparently, he has a big surprise for the Elite. I don't know if it's going to be in the form of Kyle O'Reilly. I'd love if it is Kyle O'Reilly. So we will see what happens with that. But Kyle O'Reilly did tease, putting out a GIF. He said, what's in the box? So he may be foreshadowing of what's to come. Kyle O'Reilly may be All Elite. It's only a matter of time before he is All Elite anyway. There's only one place for him to go, and that is to reunite with Adam Cole Bay and Bobby Fish. Get Red Dragon back on television. I think that would be absolutely tremendous. So... Cassidy was being double teamed by the Bucks and Cole set up Cassidy for a running double super kick from the Bucks, but the best friends tripped up the Bucks while they ran the ropes. Cassidy cradled Cole for a near fall. Cassidy counted a Panama sunrise attempt from Cole, got the hot tag to Trent Beretta. Trent looks great in his return. Um, I don't know about the shaving of the hair though, bro. I really miss the bandana on Trent. I really do. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It looks a, a, little, a little different. A little different without the bandana. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's something I got to get used to. So he got the hot tag to Beretta. Beretta came in just completely on fire. Hit a half and a half suplex on Nick Jackson, then double clothesline Nick and Cole. Beretta hit a senton on Cole on the apron, then nailed Fish with a spear on the floor. Diving splash on Nick Jackson. Got Beretta a near fall. Rocky Romero... And Beretta hit a double knee strike on Nick Jackson. And we got uh, these guys double teaming Nick Jackson. Romero hit a top rope drop kick on Nick's back. Beretta slid in with a knee strike. And the best friends today, half and half soul food combination on Cole. 
Taylor hit a top, uh, a tope con hero over the top rope on Fish and Matt Jackson on the floor. Beretta went to the middle rope for a move, but he was yanked off the ropes by Nick Jackson, hitting his neck against the turnbuckle. That looked brutal, especially with somebody with uh, neck surgery, coming off neck surgery. And that was the story here. Bucks and Cole hit a triple team neck breaker on Beretta. And Fish came in with a top rope splash from near fall. Fish hit a top rope falcon arrow on Beretta. I love when Fish does that, man. That looks so good. Cassidy broke up the pin attempt. Cassidy set up the orange punch, but Cole cut him off with a pump kick. Romero hit a heel kick on Cole and then hit a tope suicida on the floor. Nick hit a twisting plancha on Romero and Taylor. And then Cassidy hit the orange punch on Matt. Sending him to the floor. Cassidy then hit a top rope springboard sent on onto everybody on the outside. That looked crazy. He got some major height on that one. Back in the ring, Beretta hit Fish with a strong zero. Held him down for the pin. And that was it. Trent Beretta gets the win in his first match back. Pinning Bobby Fish. And the best friends get the best of the elite. Here on AEW Rampage. Very good match, fun, I enjoyed it. And we're getting Adam Cole Bay Bay versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, we're getting that on, I believe, we're getting that on Dynamite, if I'm not mistaken. Or uh, what is it, the Saturday Night Rampage, one of those. I, I got the list in my notes, but we're getting that one-on-one match. Finally, you kind of felt like it was heading towards that that way with Cole and Orange Cassidy. Should be a very good match. Anybody that's in the ring with Cole is going to have a great match. So I'm looking forward to that very much. But the best friends get the win here over the elite. Dan Lambert, he made his way back to AEW television. And I think Dan Lambert is a welcome addition to AEW television. He cut a promo in the ring with the men of the year. He trashed Tony Khan, called him Tony Khan man. Just like I call Nick Khan, Nick Khan man. Calling him two-faced. Lambert said Khan is giving the title matches to undeserving EVPs and started to trash Cody Rhodes, which, of course, brought out Cody Rhodes. Now, obviously, obviously, Cody is going to do Cody things, but Dan Lambert was cutting a promo, and Dan Lambert's promo was interrupted by a three-minute entrance of Cody Rhodes. We got to go through that fucking epic intro and then the fucking cage raises up and he comes rising up through the cage and then you got to hear his fucking theme music go off pro wrestling just doesn't have one royal family and i make a big deal he's just interrupting a fucking promo seriously so we had a way for all of this to wind down for him to ultimately just get to the ring and start playing uh tag with the microphone with Dan Lambert. That's all he did. So he makes his way to the ring. And Rhodes, you know, I don't know what this says about Cody Rhodes. I, I think you're a fucking heel when people don't cheer you over Dan Lambert. Okay? I, I think this should be the defining moment of Cody Rhodes' fucking final decision. Dan Lambert is the ultimate fucking heel. And Cody Rhodes comes out and still gets booed against somebody like Dan Lambert. Cody, I don't know what to tell you, brother. I think that makes you 100% full-fledged fucking heel. Let's cut the fucking games. Let's cut the bullshit. And let's get on with what what we got to do. And let's get on the road to heal. Okay? 
I don't know what that tells you guys, but that tells me Cody's a heel. So, Rhodes and Lambert took turns stealing the microphone from each other in a back and forth, just nonsensical bit. Then without saying anything, Cody attacked the men of the year. Cody was quickly overwhelmed. Dustin Rhodes' brother ran out. Lambert distracted Dustin as soon as both Rhodes brothers were down. Sammy Guevara ran in, hit a double jump cutter on Scorpio Sky that looked absolutely fucking beautiful and ran off the men of the year. Guevara and Rose will fight for the TNT title on Christmas night on Rampage. I don't know why we're getting a Christmas night Rampage. I don't. Like, why are we getting a Christmas night Rampage? Why can't we get a Friday night Rampage? Why can't we get a Christmas Eve Rampage? It's so fun. Who wants to watch wrestling on Christmas night? Who wants to see the Aaron? I'm not reviewing Rampage. I'm telling you right now, I'm not reviewing Rampage next week. <laughs> I'm not reviewing a one-hour show. I'll talk about it on the podcast. I'll talk about it on the podcast. I'm not doing a one-hour review of Rampage. I'll leave that to the Solomon's. You guys can go over there and hang out with him. That's his shtick. I can't do it. Anyway, uh, Sammy Guevara, listen. This Cody Rhodes thing, if this Dan Lambert thing didn't work out tonight, man, I'm telling you, if they want to go full-fledged with Cody Seal and really make it official and just fucking absolutely have everybody turn on, I would absolutely have Cody beat Sammy Guevara. If I'm Tony Khan, I am having Cody Rhodes take the title from Sammy Guevara. Absolutely. Cody Rhodes is my new TNT champion. I don't know what you guys think, but I'm I'm going with that. I think Cody Rhodes taking that TNT title would do uh, excellent. And and there was a sign in the crowd. Honestly, you know what? And I believe this sign. I think a heel Cody Rhodes is going to be best for business. Really. I think Cody Rhodes right now, you know, he hasn't really said much. And he's kind of... He's, he knows what he's doing, but he's not really giving us what we want, and he, and he knows he's being a dick about it. It's honestly making him the most interesting character on AEW television. It really is. It makes him the most intriguing character on AEW. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what the reaction's going to be. You don't know what he's going to say. You don't know how he's going to react. Heel Cody Rhodes is best for business. Heel Cody Rhodes is good for ratings. Really. Everybody wants to see this guy get his ass beat. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the matches where they heal Cody Rhodes? Brian Danielson versus heel Cody Rhodes. Uh, CM Punk versus a heel Cody Rhodes down the line. I mean, this is some great shit. You don't get excited about those types of matchups? He just needs to pull the trigger and really confirm it. Fucking plant that flag into the ground and just fucking wave that shit high and proud, man. Really. Everybody wants it. Everybody. Ty Conti defeated Penelope Ford in a submission match. Barely worth anything. It went five minutes. I mean, I don't know why they put a submission match behind it. Conti jumped Ford before the bell. Hit a pump kick early on. Conti got a half crab early on. Bunny helped Ford. Get to the ropes to force a break. Conti also got a uh, submission hold attempt broken by Ford in the ropes. Distracted. Uh, Bunny distracted Conti. 
When she locked in another submission attempt, Ford caught Conti in a dragon sleeper, which I, I will say looked great. Uh, Penelope Ford did lock in that dragon sleeper in a couple of different ways. It did look really good. Ford caught Conti with a handspring cutter, then rolled into a, another submission attempt. Uh, Conti came back with a pump kick, countered a Cazadora attempt by dropping down. Conti then chicken-winged Ford's arm with her leg pulled back on Ford's neck. And Ford quickly tapped out after the match. Bunny nailed Conti with brass knuckles. And Anna Jay chased off Ford and Bunny with a steel chair. So uh, I guess this fucking feud between these four is never going to end. I am, Again, I'm over this shit, man. I'm really over Bunny and Penelope Ford feuding with Conti and Anna Jay. Let's move on, man. We, we got to move on, really. Nobody gives a shit anymore. And a five-minute submission match, give me a break. It did not need a submission match stipulation behind it. Take Conti wins, and that's all you need to know. The Owen Hart Cup. Excalibur announced both men's and women's tournaments will take place next May and wrap up at double or nothing, and that Dr. Martha Hart is going to present the trophies to the winners. The graphic for the tournament looks like it's going to be a traditional single elimination bracket. More details will come on this Wednesday's AEW Dynamite. Now, I don't know how many people are going to be in this tournament. I don't know. Uh, the finals are going to take place at double or nothing. Mark the Hart is going to be there to award the cup winners to the men and women uh, finals winners. And there will be more information on the tournament this Wednesday on Dynamite during Busted Open. Uh, today, actually, Tony Khan said that AEW was able to get footage of Owen Hart from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And there will be a special tribute video airing with comments from Mark Henry. You know, it's funny. It's really funny. You know, Tony Khan recently said that WWE has requested some footage from some of the people that are on his roster, and Tony Khan willingly obliged. He said, yeah, sure. But if Tony Khan went to WWE and asked for footage of Owen Hart for this specific Owen Hart Cup to memorialize and honor Owen Hart, you think WWE would reciprocate that right back to Tony Khan? Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. That's what makes Tony Khan a winner and Vince McMahon a fucking loser. All about Vince McMahon, all about the fucking money he makes. Don't give a fuck about us. Your show sucks. Meanwhile, Tony Khan is trying to do everything he can to give back to the fucking wrestling fan. And this is a great thing. If there's one thing next year I'm looking forward to most, it is the Owen Hart Cup Tournament. Now, I don't know who's going to be in this tournament. The fucking field of AEW and the roster could be vastly different, and I'm guaranteeing you right now it will be vastly different. Come next May. You may see people that aren't even in that fucking company at Ember Moon, Tegan Knox, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross. You may see a Braun Strowman in there, EC3. You don't know. You may see a Wyndham. You may see a Johnny Gargano in this tournament. It's going to be crazy, man. This tournament is going to be crazy. The thing is, the thing that's throwing me for a little head-scratching moment is the matches are going to take place in May. Double or nothing is typically Memorial Day weekend. You mean to tell me that AEW is going to run through an entire men's and women's tournament in one month that quickly? 
Is every match on AEW Dynamite for the month of May going to be the Owen Hart Cup? (coughs) Excuse me. The Owen Hart Cup? That's the only thing I'm a little baffled by. I don't really get that. If I'm AEW, I'm starting this tournament in late February. Like, I'm starting this tournament in February. I'm starting this tournament in February. I'm having it run through March, all of April. And I'm having it run through most of May with the finals happening at Double or Nothing. Why are we going to do all of this tournament in May? How many people are going to be in the tournament? Is it going to be eight? Eight men and eight women. Is it going to be 16? I was actually hoping for the Owen Hart Cup to be something more along the lines of a G1 Climax. A block A and a block B. Eight in one block, eight in the other. And we just get random matches happening over the course of the month. Point system. And the winners of block A, or the winner of block A fights the winner of block B, and we get the finals. Same thing for the women. But I guess he's not going and doing that. So I don't know how many people are going to be in this tournament. They may keep it as small as possible. We may we may be getting this tournament as simply a test to see how it goes. And maybe they expand upon it in 2023. Because he already did say that it's going to be an annual thing. So hopefully we find out more information. And I don't want to doubt Tony Khan or anything like that because, you know, most of the time he usually ends up and delivers it anyway. But I do hope that the tournament is really fulfilling and really made to be a big deal. And I hope the winner of the tournament gets something really... The winner of the tournament should really be the number one contender for the AEW title. Seriously. Hopefully it all makes sense on Wednesday. So that was announced. Uh, We got matches for the upcoming shows. Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. That's added to Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, Hook versus Bear Bronson was added to Rampage, which will air next Saturday on Christmas Day at 9 p.m. So Hook, he's going one-on-one with Bear Bronson. All my hookers in the chat. Sure you guys are happy about that. Hook's getting his second match very quickly. And then we got the first match. For Battle of the Belts on January 8th announced, it will be Britt Baker, and she will defend the AEW World Title, AEW Women's World Title, against Riho. So we kind of expected that to be uh, taking place, as I do think that she will beat Riho, and then she will go on to wrestle Thunder Rosa at Revolution in March. So I think that's what's going to be there, and that is... What's coming up on the next couple of episodes of AEW television. And then we got the main event 2.0. Daniel Garcia and the acclaimed. Actually, no, this is not the main event. This is actually this is the main event. I'm sorry. 2.0. Daniel Garcia and the acclaimed defeated Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, and the Lucha Brothers. This went about eight minutes. Uh, I don't think this was nearly given enough time. You know, a big 10-man tag like this ending in about eight minutes. It really did feel rushed. But I will say, Eddie Kingston is fantastic, man. I, I've become more a fan of Eddie Kingston as the days went on, as the weeks went on. He's just he's just a special fucking guy, man. He really is, you know. And Santana Ortiz, I look at these guys from, you go back to looking at them last year and looking at them to what they look at or look like now, this year, in this current moment. They, they look absolutely fucking incredible. Man, I, you know, I don't, I don't really pinpoint this all that often, but the transformation 
of Santana and Ortiz physically and just based on their appearance. Santana looks to be the best shape of his career. And Ortiz, you know, Ortiz was was the larger of the two. He was never really thin, right? He wasn't it wasn't big by any means, but he wasn't he wasn't like Santana. Santana was the the, the leaner of the two. Ortiz has gotten himself into such incredible shape, man. He he almost doesn't even look recognizable. He looks fucking amazing. It's about time Tony Khan puts the tag team titles on Santana Ortiz. I really hope when we get through this Jurassic Express and Lucha Brothers program coming up, this turns Christian Cage heel, and we get Christian versus Jungle Boy. We get Santana Ortiz versus the Lucha Brothers at Revolution. I think that's what's going to be. I think that's what needs to be. I think the tease that we saw tonight at the end with Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers, I think that's going to be for Battle of the Belts. I think that's going to be a a, a good match. Excellent match. So Kingston and his team attacked the heels on their way to the ring. Uh, We did not get Max Caster's rap, which I was kind of sad about, but, you know, it's Eddie Kingston. What do you expect? Uh, Lots of brawling around the ring before the match officially started with Penta and Caster in the ring. Um, Lucha Brothers were... Big time over with this crowd in Texas. Caster took a beating from both Penta and Phoenix. Santana Ortiz hit some big time double team moves on Anthony Bowens. And the show went to a final commercial break. Santana hit a springboard moonsault on Parker and Lee of 2.0. And got the tag to Penta. Penta hit some sling blades on 2.0. Phoenix got the tag and hit a punt on Bowens. Then a tornado on Garcia for a near fall. Kingston got the tag so he could go after Garcia, but 2.0 pulled him out of the ring. Phoenix and Penta hit stereo dives on 2.0. Santana hit a pile driver on Garcia. Kingston hit an exploder on Bowens. Garcia then got a roll-up on Kingston and held his tights to get the surprise victory. I, I didn't even think it was over at that point. I thought it was a two and a half, but the referee said, that's it, it's over. So Daniel Garcia gets a victory over Eddie Kingston by hooking the tights, man. Daniel Garcia has been in the ring with CM Punk. I believe he's been in the ring with uh, Brian Danielson as well. And he's been in the ring with Eddie Kingston a couple of times. Somebody clearly loves this guy. You know, you're not giving somebody like that time in the ring with those types of guys and then having him pin Eddie Kingston tonight on Rampage if you don't have high hopes for him. It's a pretty big fucking deal for Daniel Garcia, man. And I enjoy their act. I enjoy Daniel Garcia and 2.0, man. I'm telling you, when those trios championships are created, it is going to be a free-for-all on who could possibly be the first trios champions in AEW. You know, you could look at teams like, uh, you know, you could look at the House of Black, if you want to put Malachi in there with Brody King and Andrade or whoever you want to put in there. You know, you could look at the elites. You could look at Jurassic Express with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. You could look at the best friends. You could look at the Dark Order. You know, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, I would not have any problem at all with those three guys being trios champions, inaugural trios champions. I think that would be fantastic. Really. I can't wait for those titles to come, man. It would give, and it is going to give, all of these matches that we see, 
these six-man tags and all these random tag team matches, it's going to give all of these random tag team matches that Tony Khan just fills on these shows just to get everybody involved. It's going to give all these tag team matches meaning. That's why I don't understand why he gave us the TBS championship first and not the trio championship first. Like, I don't think we need a TBS championship now. I'm not saying we don't need it ever. But I don't think there's enough women in the division. I don't think there's enough core women in the division to really sustain a TBS championship or a secondary title. I do think the trios championships are much more needed right now in AEW. And hopefully they come sooner rather than later because there's so many different groups and factions and tag teams. I just don't want to see them fighting constantly over nothing every single week. I want these matches to have some sort of meaning and you can bring meaning to these matches with those tag team titles. But that's it, guys. That is all I got. That is the end of your Rampage and SmackDown post-show on this episode of Off the Script. I appreciate you guys joining me and hanging out with me on your Friday nights, man. There will be a live stream tomorrow. I have episode 401, 5 p.m. tomorrow, live. Join me live tomorrow. I want to make sure you guys are aware of that. Notifications are going to be going out as soon as I end this live stream tonight. Going to set that up. Also, I want to make sure you guys are aware, towards the end of the month, after Christmas, I will be taking four days off. There will be extras thrown in to kind of fill you guys while I'm away. And I'm taking myself a much-needed mental break. And I am staying away for a little bit. Uh, I think after everything that I've done this year and the effort and the energy I've put towards this podcast, I want to make sure I'm at my very best for day one. So after Christmas, the 26th, I will be away till the 30th. And I will be back right around... The end of the year for New Year's. And then I will be ready for day one. I want to make sure you guys are aware. Mark it down. I will not be here from the 26th to the 30th. It's typically dead anyway. SmackDown's not having a show. It is what it is, man. I don't like missing weeks. I don't like missing days. I don't like missing the show because I feel like... I don't feel like me, but, you know, sometimes I need a a break, bro. Sometimes I need to walk away, you know? And I feel like with this being the deadest month of the year, especially with pro wrestling, I feel like it's just best for me to do it now before we get to day one. Follow me on social media, man, at JD from NY206. Twitter and Instagram. Hit that like button. I still don't see a thousand likes. Let's get it up to a 1,000 likes, guys. If you guys are in the chat and not hit the thumbs up yet, hit that thumbs up. Get those super chats in as well. We're going to go over them right now and make sure you guys hit that subscribe button and turn on that bell for notifications. Ryan Heisler with a 499 super chat. 101 fever and chills. I hope you recover soon, man. I did a little research for you. Guinness has antioxidants and iron. Drink up, brother. With some zinc. I did not know that. I actually I actually feel okay right now. I'm a little I'm I'm very tired. I 
I think by the weekend, by the end of the weekend, I'll be back to normal. But thank you, Ryan. I did not know that Guinness had antioxidants in it and iron. I will have to look into that. Bo Jiden with a $2 super chat. We want love. Let's go, Brandon. Bad move, Pat. Thanks, Bo. Michelle Morant, $5 super chat. I had a scary thought. What if the huge moment at the pay-per-view is Brock squashing Roman, especially after what we saw and heard tonight, take my money on Cole and Orange Cassidy? Michelle, Roman has been built up as the biggest superstar in modern-day WWE history. They're not going to squash Roman Reigns. If you're thinking Roman going to be squashed like John Cena squashed with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam all those years ago, no. It's not going to happen. Susan D'Ambrosio with a $5 Super Chat. JD, an hour of tape rampage is better than a two-hour SmackDown. Also, I hope you're feeling better today. Uh, I actually did feel a little bit better today, Susan. Thank you. Sean Gillespie with a $4.99 Super Chat. If you look in the background of the Owen Hart tournament graphic, it shows a bracket that would contain 32 people. This tournament is going to be great. Yeah, Sean, if it's 32 people, it certainly can't be filled in the month of May. And then the finals take place at a pay-per-view that takes place in the month of May. Tournament needs to start well before double or nothing. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. JD, hard to comment tonight. Plenty of booty meat. Yeah, there was uh there was plenty of booty meat in that match tonight, bro. Can't ask for more with Tony and Sasha being in there. Sean Gillespie with a 199 super chat. He says, My bad, looks like it'll be 16 people in the tournament. That's fine. That is fine, bro. Uh, I did say I was going to go over the Darby and Corey Jade thing. I'll save that for the podcast tomorrow. Darby wasn't even on the show tonight, so it's not even not even important tonight. I'll save that for tomorrow's Off the Script Live. Matt Krause with a $4.99 and a $4.99 Super Chat. He says, it seems like the Roman only fired Heyman thing is that Heyman can turn on Lesnar. I absolutely agree. I do think that is exactly what's going to happen. MGM Ballin with a 999 Super Chat. This man truly is the tribal chief of our community. Fever and all, he's still opening the venue for us. All hail the tribal chief. Hashtag OTS forever cheers. Thank you, MGM Ballin. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much, man. Now, I'm not going to give Jesse a hard time tonight. I sent him home early. I sent Jesse home early. Chef Guns, thank you for the membership, brother. What are you drinking? Denial. Hashmi. With a $5 super chat and no message. Denial, what's up? Don't be shy in the venue, bro. Philip Newton with a $4.99 super chat. I was a big fan of Shot and NXT in our matches in the indies. So glad I stopped watching WWE. As far as War Machine goes... When is their contract up? I have no idea. I'd love to see them get the fuck out of there, man. I really would. I think Shotzi's actually gotten worse on the main roster. 
Titus O'Neill with a 199 Super Chat. Toasted ravioli is on the menu for the OTS family. There you go, folks. Toasted ravioli. How could you not want some fucking ravioli handmade by Titus? Vernon F. With a $10 Super Chat. WWE had MJF. His new moniker would be WTF from the fans. MJF is not going to WWE. Never. That man is not an idiot. He knows exactly what would happen to him over there. Unless MJF has full creative control over what he does and what he says, there's no way he's going to WWE. Philip Newton with a 499 Super Chat. WWE causes impotence. And Baron Corbin is a part of the cancer that is WWE. Baron Corbin is awful. This guy got into fucking pro wrestling to be a fucking comedian instead of a world champion. Yeah, but continue grilling your steaks and showing off your watch collection, bro. As soon as you retire, nobody's ever going to fucking remember you. Gary, the new man, becomes a member. Gary, the new man, what are you drinking, bro? Philip Newton with another 499 Super Chat. Battle of the Belts and Wrestling Kingdom the same weekend. It's going to be epic. Or Wrestle Kingdom, you mean. If I ever see you in person, JD, a Guinness is on me. Anytime anybody sees me, man, I will never turn down a Guinness. Just let me finish the one I have in front of me first. Sid Vicious with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, TNT normally plays a Christmas story for 24 hours on Christmas Eve. It's probably why Rampage was moved to Saturday. Well, Sid Justice, I think that's a fucking ridiculous thing to put on television for 24 fucking hours. How many families have already seen it before Christmas even comes? Tony Khan is bowing now to a Christmas story? Come on. I'm not going to... Listen, I'm not going to be reviewing it anyway. I'll be here for SmackDown, but I won't be here for Rampage. Jay Ray with a $5 super chat. On this day, the McMahons and Triple H promised change. Yeah, I remember that. Bullshit lies. They would give us more of what we wanted and less of what we did. How's that change going? They've actually gotten a thousand times worse than that promo that they cut all those years ago. The Undertaker with a $2 Super Chat. Owen Hart was born on May 23rd. That's why it's in May. Yeah, yeah, I get I get why the tournament is is in May, but the tournament could still be throughout the rest of the months with the finals being in May, and it would be the same thing. It doesn't really make sense to do a full 16 women and men's tournament in the entire month of May. Feels like it's going to be a rush job. I would absolutely give this more time. Like I love the way that I love the way Tony Khan spread out the TBS tournament. I do.
Johnny Cloud becomes a member for four months. Thank you, brother. You're the man, JD. Thank you for all you do on here. I'll take a Jack and Coke on the rocks. Sounds good to me, bro. I can't turn down a Jack and Coke either. Heidi Hoffman with a 499 Super Chat. I get Homelander from the boys vibes off Cody. You know, I never watched Homelander. So I have no idea what you're talking about. Jay Ray with $5 Super Chat. May is Owen's birthday. The couple start off with small brackets and expand going forward. I don't... Uh, Jay Ray, you, 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 typically, you typically have these comments. As if you work for Tony Khan. The couple start off with small brackets and expand going forward. How do you know when we haven't even gotten details on it yet until we get to Wednesday's Dynamite? You're a funny man, Jay Ray. Lucifer Moon with a $10 super chat. UK. I hope you have a good rest of the 26th. Actually, I hope you have a good rest after the 26th of this month from Portugal with love. Thank you, Lucifer Moon. I will definitely be relaxing. Hopefully, I'm all better. DL Bain with a 499 Super Chat. Thoughts on Spider-Man? I haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to the movie theaters to see it either. There's one thing I hate in this world. It's sitting in a fucking movie theater with screaming children watching Spider-Man. I'll never go to another fucking premiere ever again, man. I went to go see The Dark Knight or tried to go see The Dark Knight. Pre-order tickets. I was in South Jersey at the time. Never again. The fucking video reel or the tape reel that had the film on it. Didn't work. Didn't work. Opening night, ruined. Told me to come back. I went back and watched it. But man, oh man, was it fucking so packed. Never again. Never again. If I never, if I never had to go to another movie theater again, I'd be happy. Jericho eighty one thirty one. What are you drinking? I got a gingerbread stout in hand. Man, it's very tough to find gingerbread stouts, man. Sam Adams made a gingerbread stout that I cannot find anymore, man. I got the bottle somewhere. Saved. So good. What was Rollins' best run? The Architect, Monday Night Rollins, or his current run? 2018, when he was the Intercontinental Champion. Monday Night Rollins was his best run. His current run is his second best. The Architect is his third. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Jack. What are your two favorite Royal Rumbles? And do you consider Batman Returns and Die Hard Christmas movies? Always a pleasure to listen to you. Thank you, Solo. Uh, I guess Die Hard's a Christmas movie because it came out on Christmas. Batman Returns, not so much. I mean, I don't know what makes that a Christmas movie. But my two favorite Royal Rumbles? Shit, man. I, that's a th- 1992 is my favorite Royal Rumble of all time. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else would be my favorite Royal Rumble, really. It's tough. None of them really stand. There's moments, obviously, in the Royal Rumble, but as far as an overall match, you know, nothing really stands out to me outside 1992. 
The Steve Austin Bret Hart moments in the 97 Royal Rumble is one of my favorite Rumble moments of all time. Uh, I thought the, I'm not saying this is one of my favorite, top two favorite Royal Rumbles, but I thought the one where McIntyre won it was an excellent Rumble where, where Lesnar came in number one. I thought that was a great Royal Rumble. I thought they did that incredibly well. I I don't know. I would have to, I actually have to get back to you on that one, man. You know, I have to, I have to get back to you on that one. I really do. Uh, I enjoyed the 93 Rumble. I thought the 93 Rumble was good with uh, Bob Backlund lasting a year, and then they had that little thing with Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect in there and Yokozuna winning it, but the ending with Savage was fucking ridiculous. Really. Um, someone said the 2001. Um, Jesse says the 1999 Rumble. Yeah, I mean, those, those, those were good Rumbles, you know? Nothing, 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 absolutely nothing compares to the 1992 Royal Rumble. Nothing. Magician Sapphire with a $10 super chat. Thought Rampage was a good show tonight. Easy to watch, but nothing spectacular. It's the same thing. Same thing every week, bro. You know, Rampage is the same thing every week. It is a good show, but nothing spectacular. It's easy to watch, but it's nothing spectacular, man. Nothing really going on there. All right, guys, uh, I'm closing the venue early tonight, man. I'm leaving whatever's there. Je- I sent Jesse home. I'll clean it tomorrow. I'll clean it tomorrow, man. This fucking guy's got to get some sleep. I got to finish up work and then get some sleep. I got to make myself some Theraflu. I got to go to bed. I'm exhausted, man. VC Stallion with a 199 Super Chat. Hey, JD, what do you think is the worst rumble? The worst rumble? I'd probably say the one where... Uh, I'd probably say the one where Batista won because Brian was supposed to come out and win that rumble and they didn't put him in the rumble. Or the one where Shawn Michaels won and they decreased the time to 60 seconds. That was awful. That was awful. They, they claimed that it was uh, it was something new and exciting. Like, why are you changing the Royal Rumble fucking time from two minutes to 60 seconds, man? Like, I get two minutes may be too long. 90 seconds is fine. I don't really mind the two minutes. I don't. But 60 seconds was way too quick. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm about to get out of here. And uh, finish up what I got to do tonight. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me, man. I really do. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Continue to hit that like button. We need 85 more likes, guys. 85 more likes. If you guys have not hit the thumbs up, make sure you guys go and do that for me, please, if you have not done so. And make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on that bell for notifications. I will be live tomorrow afternoon, usual time. Off the script goes live with episode 401. And Edgar Estrada is dropping a $100 super chat. Yo, Tribal Chief, even after a hard week, thanks to you and the chat for putting a smile on my face tonight. Rampage was a fun show tonight. Roman is trying to troll like MJF. Please pray for my family. Been a tougher week for them. 
Fear better, JD. Enjoy your weekend, OTS family. Edgar, we love you, brother. Thoughts and prayers go out to your family, as always, my man. And thank you. Thank you for everything, man. Guys, leave me those guitar emojis and Mustang emojis, and I want that music on max. I'll see you guys tomorrow live on OTS 401. Until then, have a good night.